All, all right. Welcome to our second episode of the Run Talk Live podcast. We are super excited. We recorded our first one just last night, so it feels like it'll probably be forever between hearing these things. But uh, we're here to talk today about the Boston Marathon. Hopefully, by the time this this podcast comes out, that'll be right around the corner. It's uh, less than two weeks yeah, away just... from right now. So I know there's a lot of a lot of cool influencers that are going to be there. There's a lot of, of course current events that are going on with Boston. It's always a happening time in the in the running community. Man, I feel like, you know, I see so many of my friends just posting all their Boston workouts and it's it's been really interesting because you've got those people that are like, I'm gonna get my second BQ, I'm gonna get my PR. And then you've got people that are like, I'm just happy to be included. So it's been a good mix on mm-hmm. on my Strava. Yeah, I mean, think about it for, for a lot of people, Boston's like it's the epiphany, right? You it's the it's their lifelong goal. They're getting into Boston, yeah, and now they're, they're doing it. So, it's it's such a cool experience. Ah, oh, now you both have run Boston before, and I want to ask you both: like, what was it like? You know, getting to that start line. Yeah, um, I'll I'll share my experience first because I feel like mine wasn't as cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, so I ran it in 2018, for and that was, we we historically call it the year of the storm, and oh. it was rough. Like, it, it was, it was like 35 mile per hour winds, it was super, super cold, there was rain and sleet and hail, and, you know, the athlete village was just mud, uh, you know, the, the whole, like, you couldn't really appreciate athlete village there. We were wearing tarps and, you know, 14 layers of clothing and hypothermia. I think there was something like 3,000 runners that dropped out of the race due to hypothermia. So, and I felt it too. Mm-hmm. Like I got to, I, I was so excited to answer your question. I was super excited, Carolyn, but I was also super bummed because I felt angry at Mother Nature that this was the day they picked to do what they were going to do to this race. Um, I ended up running my slowest marathon I ever ran, but it was still an experience that I would do over again, knowing that it was Boston Marathon. Like it, it was. There were so many people, and everybody was still smiling, and everybody was still putting in their effort, and everybody was experiencing the same thing. So I would do it again. But again, that was kind of a one-off. I don't think everyone had that experience, um, but that was my my first Boston experience. Yeah, and of course, my Boston experience was just last year. I finally crossed it off the bucket list in 2022, um, and mine was little, kind of the opposite, I guess, from Jake's because it was really hot, um, or it was a warmer day for my Boston experience. Um, and part of the race, so I, I went there with my, my best friend who he was my best man in my wedding. And it was kind of both of our lifelong dreams to get to Boston. And we did, but we totally botched the meetup the morning of the bus ride out there. So we didn't, we didn't find each other in Boston gardens before getting on the, the buses. So I'm like, I'm waiting by the buses for like 
an hour looking around for them. I can't find them anywhere. And then they start loading the buses and I like get into where everybody's lined up to go on the buses and I'm just still looking around for them. I can't find them anywhere. And then when they started calling for the corral behind us, I was like, well, I, I, I better get going. I don't know where he's at, I'm, but I'm not going to miss it. And, and I didn't have my phone either because we were, I don't run with my phone. I wasn't planning on bringing my phone. And um, if you've not done Boston before, whatever you take to the starting line in Hopkinton, you either leave it at the starting line or you carry it during the race. So I, w I didn't want to carry my phone during the race and neither did he. So we didn't have any way of getting a hold of each other. But I did end up seeing him finally right before the starting line. So that was my experience, kind of wondering and worrying about him and wondering if he even made it onto the buses in time. But the race itself is phenomenal. Like, I have never done a race where it is just 26 miles straight of people cheering you on. Like, every, every other marathon I've ever done, there's dead spots. There's places where you're – it's just pure power of will but not Boston. Boston, you've got people cheering you on the entire time. Not even Disney has that kind of fanfare. And it's just really awesome. I, I had my headphones in for about half the race. And I, looking back, I really regret that because I missed out on some things as far as fanfare goes. But um, yeah, if I go back, I'm definitely not wearing headphones in, in Boston. And I'm probably never going to wear headphones during a uh, major you know, race ever I've again. heard that there's like a no headphone policy at more and more races because people can't hear each other. You know, there's collisions, all that business. And, you know, you can't hear anything because you're jamming to Lil Wayne or something. Yeah. A lot of places, I think, just have it as a, mm -hmm. a suggestion. They strongly yeah. encourage you not to. Um, obviously, it's a really hard thing to enforce, right? Like if you see somebody on the on the course they don't want to disqualify them or take them out of a race that they've trained for yeah. a long time to do but uh, there are obvious implications but i think everybody i i don't see a big deal with it i think you should be allowed to wear headphones if you want to the only problem with that is i think places like boston or new york places that have just that reputation for being such good fanfare events yeah. You're going to miss one of, you know, one of the most memorable things I remember from that race on a positive note is the amount of uh, visually impaired runners that were running and they, they were wearing like, uh, I want to say yellow shirts and they had a, a partner that had like a, like a, a rope or you know something like attached to them, like leading the way or something. But it was the coolest thing I've seen because there was a giant group of them all running this race and fast, too. <laughs> like they were running fast. Um, it was, I just remember seeing that going like, wow, that, like I was inspired by that. It was really, really cool. And they're doing it in the rain, in the cold, in the wind. You know, that's one of the things that made me just kept going. Like I wanted to quit at mile 17. And I was like, oh. Hmm. These guys are heroic. Like, all right, let's let's keep going. Now, I've always wanted to like lead a visually impaired runner. And what you do basically, somebody told me this one time, they're like, you train with your athlete, right? 
so y'all learn to go at the same pace y'all learn to listen to each other's footsteps just it's a whole process so on race day it's literally just a celebration of you both yeah that's pretty awesome yeah. that's right up your alley too so what did uh jake in the in the weather conditions what did uh, you think of the newton at hills? that point because just at like mile 18 you know right around there at that point i was just i i didn't care <laughs> like my body was so numb already like it wasn't painful i was just I was surviving at that point. The hills were just another element, but the the worst part was the weather. Yeah, yeah. the The hills themselves are kind of tricky because, um, obviously, I didn't have the bad weather, but um, I knew about the hills. I tried preparing for the hills. I I thought I had a good game plan in mind, but I still uh, went out a little too fast. I think my my half marathon time was like one fifteen or one six something something ridiculous, and then uh, I just hit the wall when going up those hills. Like it was just rough. I, I felt like I was okay going through the halfway point, but yeah, man, so those Caroline, just if you didn't know, destroyed me. And I'm sure you've already looked at it, but the first half of this race is downhill. It's a it's a down. Mm. It's technically a it's technically a downhill marathon from start to finish. Actually, I mean it's, it's a net downhill, but. Yeah. When you run the course, I I don't know if you got the same sensation, Chase. I didn't feel like it was a downhill marathon. Like it's still very much a challenging course, especially when you throw in those hills at the you know at the end, the heartbreak hill mm -hmm. and, and all that. Um, mm -hmm. And then the amount yeah. of people, of course, so you know, that throws in a loop and the experience and the weather plays a factor. But yeah, you you yeah. could unknowingly go out very easily too fast because it is a downhill, you know, half marathon for that first half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice it as much like throughout the marathon, but like definitely at the very beginning, like within the first hundred, your first hundred yards are like straight downhill. So you kind of get, you get off to a fast start. And you got right all the, the people around you. And of course they're all going fast and, it just the whole vibe kind of carries you a little bit and then yeah it's it's very easy it's very easy to go out too fast for boston i think when i run boston hmm. people are like you should just be cute at boston or don't take it too easy like heck like you worked so hard to be there why would you stress yourself out like if you can pr absolutely but i think i'm going to be one of those people that just pulls a four-hour like boston marathon yeah. time I mean, I think Boston is a good course to run a, a Boston qualifier for the, for the next year. Uh -huh. And that's what a lot of people do. They qualify for Boston and then, you know, they go and they just continuously qualify mm -hmm. at the Boston Marathon. So they don't have to worry about it, you know, for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely support that. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I just don't have a huge fire for marathons. I love the marathon for sure. But I think, you know, I see a an end date for my marathons. You know, halves I'll do until I can't, you know, until I'm in a casket. But 
you know, marathons, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have that fire. Well, Carol, I, I've told myself and everybody I've ever run with after every single marathon that that's my last marathon. And then I still sign up for a marathon every single time. I hate the yeah. marathon. I do. I don't hate it. I don't want to say I hate it. I dislike <laughs> it very much, but I still do it. I don't know why. It's because the, at the end of the day, the marathon's the popular one, and that's what brings in the revenue, which puts on better shows, which puts on better events. And Man, and at the end of the day, you're you know the bigger yeah, events are marathons, right? You don't have you don't have a whole lot of you know half marathons that are real famous. You don't have a ten miler. You don't have a bunch of ten milers yeah. like the Cherry Blossom. Yeah. Well, if you're a listener and you're on your long run for your marathon, keep going. But my goodness, y'all are champions. Right. Amazing. Speaking of the Boston Marathon, guys, can we talk about the field this year? Jeez. Oh, definitely. So uh, the obvious one, we'll, do we want to save the best for last or do we just want to we'll start? Let's with, start with ooh. the name. The name. Um, obviously, we're we're referring to uh, Sarah Hall, right? Listen, <laughs> following up. A yeah, she did. She was the it. top American, and it didn't. It like I didn't even think about it until I crossed the finish line, and they said, "Oh, we're gonna do our award ceremony. Congrats to Sarah Hall for being the top American." And I was like, "All right, let me just get my medal." And then I was like, "Holy crud! That was Sarah Hall." Oh. That was how I felt in Mesa when I saw oh. Molly Seidel. I was like, holy shit, is that Molly Seidel? <laughs> but, She's but yeah, is Sarah Hall running huh? Boston this year? She is? Okay. She is Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then who's the defending champion on is the Is it Bridget? Side? Oh, heavens. I feel like the defending champion was like an Olympic runner. Yeah, I think it was probably a pro. I just can't remember who the female winner was last year. And for our listeners, um, every I mean, if you don't know what the Boston Marathon is, it is typically held on Patriots Day. Um, and there's a lot of prize money. Um, I believe I want to say it's like $50,000. Yeah. Don't quote me on that for like setting the course record. But there's that yeah, I mean there's a there's a huge payout if you do plus most of the brands like any of the big companies, they'll have that as an incentive in their contracts too. So all these pro runners have different incentives if you win a world major race, you get X amount of money. If you set a world record, you get X amount of money. Which is wild. That and stuff. that's how, so when I ran the Cherry Blossom, that's how it was. And they, it was, you know, if you set a course record, $50,000. If you're in the top three, I think the lowest amount was like $8,000. And then you could just rack up money. Just wild. Yep. So last year's women's winner was Paris Jet cheer cheer. I, I, I butchered that name. I know I didn't. I know I did. 
but she she ran two hours and twenty one minutes. She's not, but second. I don't see her in the field for this year. Oh, is she doing right like now. London? So or this something? year, um, and she might be doing London this year on the, at least on the women's side. I'm seeing um, for Americans, we got Sarah Hall, Emma Bates. Those are the two two big American cool. names, uh, and then you have. Uh, yeah. Sharon, I'm going to butcher some of these names too, but Sharon yeah, Lokiti, uh, or Lokiti, uh, she was the 2022 yeah. New York City New York City champion. Um, you got oh my god, yeah. Gody Tom Gabrus Leslie, <laughs> who yeah, she's and a two time Boston champ. champion. Uh, she's running it. No, and then, yeah, there's so it's a pretty yeah. decent field. Um, across the board across all the countries yeah yeah i mean amani bariso she has a 214 58 mm. personal best which is third all time wow so that's uh that's your line um carolyn two two fourteen fifty eight. what we're shooting for i got this guys for half marathon right sure sure no, exactly. Here's some fun facts that I just found about the professional athlete program. It's for runners who have run a marathon sub 235 for women and sub 213 for men. Um, runners debuting in the marathon who have run a half marathon sub 111 for women and sub 102 for men. So Chase, I'm going to need you to shave off a few minutes. But wow, guys. Shave <laughs> uh Chase, what's your uh, half marathon PR right now again? One thirteen. So you only 46. need to shave off like per mile. That's not too bad. You can you can do that. Yeah, no problem. No, no sweat. Top. Yeah. So that that's been a. Uh, I heard somebody else talking about uh, on a podcast what their ultimate running goal would be like what would be the thing that says all right that's it i'm done i'm not gonna be racing anymore jake you've obviously you know you were more at your at the height in by your early, early what by, late 20s is late that when you 20s, were yeah was, running at was, the that was my prime yeah uh so was there something did did you hit a milestone where you were just like ah it's Trying to stop taking this so seriously, uh, I hit a or point where are you still you know, just my focus, you know, even into my mid twenties was always the mile, you know, and that's that was when I realized mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go anywhere with the mile, uh, and I went far time wise, but just compared to the rest of the world, like I didn't have a shot at going to the Olympics in it or anything like that, uh, or the fifteen hundred, you know, anything so. Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, when I was 24 when I finally just kind of said, you know what, I'm I'm backing off of the short distances, and I'm gonna start doing this long stuff. I don't feel like I've reached a point where I I, I don't know I don't know how to describe. It. I don't feel like I've reached a point where like I'm I'm ready to stop, you know, at any at any distance. I know I'm slower than mm -hmm. I was, but I still enjoy it as much as I did even then. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about for me now. It's 
I enjoy right. the competition and I acknowledge I can't compete with the pros, but I can still compete with the masters. And that's what it's about for me now is competing against masters runners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't know. I mean, our, the whole sport is so circumstantial, right? Like I, I've got a time goal that I want to accomplish that I'd be like, if I did that, I'd probably be happy with mm -hmm. my running career. But at the same time, if I did that, like say I, I, I PR'd here in, at grandma's, but I felt really good and I felt like I could do better. I'd probably just keep on going and yeah, set another I think time goal for That's myself. the cool thing about running is there's so many different types of goals that you can do no matter where you're at in your career. Like, you, you know, there's always mm -hmm. age groups, right? No matter what race you do, that's always a, a goal factor. If, you, if you're no longer able to run that sub three marathon where you can still be 60 years old and compete within your age group and try to be a top five runner, you know, something like that. There's always, there's just so many different goals to shoot for that you can do no matter how old you are, you know, how long of a career you've had, there's always something. Yeah. And then you've got those yeah. runners. Like I, I know a guy who just ran Mount Charleston. He did the half marathon. He, I believe he's in his fifties and he, this is the first race that he's broken one thirty. Like he got a one twenty six, qualified for New York, like set PRs in every single distance. And it's like, yes. I mean, a lot of people are faster in their younger, younger career but it doesn't mean that those PRs have to stop. And I mean, yes, right. most people peak, I guess, somewhere in their thirties, but it's like, I mean, that, that doesn't mean you're done, you know? Right. I think, so what's you guys take on that? Like, why do people peak in their thirties for marathon running? I mean, yeah, we've still got the, the 20 year olds that are still doing really good, but Kipchoge, Kipchoge's mm -hmm. 38 years old and he's setting world records. What, what do you think is the reason behind that for people in their thirties as a, as a whole? So I heard a quote the other day and I think it explained it. It was like, people quit before they hit their potential. And, you know, a lot of people think I'm not getting faster. They get burned out. They don't have the time to train and that's understandable. And I think at that point, that's when you peak. Um, but also it's motivation. You know, if you've been running your entire life, you're not going to have as much motivation or it's, I, I imagine it's harder to have more motivation than somebody who's, you know, the spry first year runner who's ready to just hit the ground running. But I do respect that you guys have been running basically your entire lives. And I, I really want to know what keeps you guys motivated? Like what keeps you getting PRs in your thirties in your forties? Well, I'll, well, first let me, I'll, let me respond to what Chase said too, or Chase's question. Cause number one, there's, there's probably a ton of answers to it. Right. And, and most of them are right. So in my opinion, marathon runners for the most like high level marathon runners, I should say, are they're lifelong runners. They're people that have been running through you know elementary school, high school, uh, college, and, and on and, and et cetera. 
and they've just built up that cape that ability to run those long distances that's why people you know teenagers typically don't run the marathon right they just don't have the physical capacity to do it because it just takes a ton of training to get there um so i think a lot of the reason why people peak in the longer distances at older ages is because it's taken that long to build up that base for their body to compete at that level you can't do that you can't do it at that young age like the young age right yeah you're a miler you're a 5k 10k 15k even a half marathon but that i think the older you are the more knowledgeable you are the more beneficial you know it'll be for your for mm-hmm. your money and that knowledge piece is a big part yep. too like absolutely i think that mental toughness is where where it's at when you get to like your 30s i know especially for me cuz when i was in my mid 20s in my young in my lower 20s i didn't have any any of that motivation like the motivation wasn't there i didn't care and um even when i did you know it took a long time for me to build up to where I, you know, to really know what I wanted to do. And now that I'm, now that I'm 38 years old and I'm peaking, it's all about mental toughness. I'm, I'm more mentally tough than I was, yeah. you know, 10 yeah, or I, even I, five I years ago. I did a video on TikTok a while back and I shared a post about uh, that someone commented on one of my pictures and they were commenting because I was making like this horrible face when I was running I was like grunting and grinding and they commented and they're like, Oh, Jake just running through a broken toe right now. No big deal. And I'm just like, but I wouldn't have done that (laughs) when I was in my twenties. You know, now it's like run through the pain, just, just tough it out. Um, Not that that's the smartest thing to do, but I feel like I understand my limitations more now that I'm older. And again, I just, I have a larger knowledge base of, how to respond to pain better than I did mm-hmm. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to, to answer Carolyn's question, you know, even as a lifelong runner, there's always mm-hmm. the next goal. You know, there's always that next mountain to climb figuratively speaking. So in my case, for example, you know, last year I ran the Boston Marathon. That concluded that that achieved a lifelong goal for me that I've had since I was in high school. And so, what did I? What do I do then? You know, like Boston's done. I, I've achieved my goal. What do I do? Well, that's when I kind of made the decision that I want to run. I want to run all six. I want to run all six of the world majors. So. It's just about getting to that next goal. You know, you, you achieve one and yeah. then you're like, okay, I, what I should we do next? I met this runner at a 5K I did. This is probably like five, six months ago. And he was an older guy. He was, he was over 70. He had, he had won his age group. And I was talking to him. And I remember I asked him, I said, oh, what's your PR? Now, when I asked him that, I was referring to the 5K. I said, oh, what's your PR? And he goes, 36. And I was like... 36, what, what do you mean? He goes, 36 countries. I ran in 36 countries so far. It's the most I've, I've, I've ran in. I was like, that's like the coolest way to, to look at it. Like he's over 70. He's no longer running his elite times, right? 
to him, a PR is how many countries he can run in, like how many how, how many races he oh. can do, and that so a PR is different that's to crazy. everybody, and that's goes to show no matter how old you are, no matter where you get with your running career, there's always something to chase down, and that's what I love. Like I love as long as there's something to, to chase after, whether it's a time, a distance, uh, a marquee race like Boston, or running in you know, seven continents in seven days and whatever that is, there's something, there's something to go after. And that's what keeps me motivated. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And I, you know, I'm a run streaker and I'm part of like the Facebook groups and stuff. And a lot of our members are 50 and above. And it's like, you know, that's a way that they can keep running. They can keep setting goals. Like and some people, in the run streaking community, they'll start at a mile a day. And then as they get older, they're like, you know what? I can do a 5K a day. I can do six miles a day and stuff like that. So it's you constantly better yourself. And I feel like the less excuses you make to better yourself, the longer you yeah. can. So you know, if I could give a recommendation to anyone out there, any any younger person out there, like anyone in their 20s and 30s even. So, Carolyn, I'm referring to you as well. <laughs> um, if you have an opportunity, like if you're at a race and you see, you know, that that 60, 70, 80 year old out there, like go talk to them first, like pick their brain because they will probably have some of the coolest stories to tell you that will probably just really inspire you. Like I've done it a couple of times. I talked to a guy that talked about how he got mugged in Africa in the middle of a race and then he like kept doing the race afterwards like, there's just so many interesting things like people will tell you. <laughs> you know, That's kind of awesome. steering <laughs> unintentionally back to the Boston Marathon, but there's this guy in my running club, and he's like in his it's 70s or 80s. I, I've been scared to ask his age, um, but he does like 100 milers on the weekend. And he told me, he goes, you know, I ran Boston and I was two minutes away from the bombs. He goes, I crossed the line, two minutes later, bombs went off. And he goes, you know, from that day, I will do everything I can to qualify for the Boston Marathon, sign up for every race. Because he goes, I was that close to death. Like, I pretty much saw it happen. And it's just so wild to me. That's awesome. I was listening to a podcast with somebody else today, or maybe it was yesterday too, but she was at the, she was an elite. She finished about an hour before the bombs went off and she was just kind of telling she had her whole family. It was her first time at Boston and her whole family was there to watch her. So it was just a relief to her that she finished so early. She'd already connected with her family, and yeah, it was still a scary situation. But she was very grateful that she had her family there. Well, and they so, didn't Chase, you run Boston. I run Boston. Carolyn, you're you're training for Boston. What are yeah. some tips, some training tips that you guys would give to to those that are training to run Boston for the first time? Um, obviously, it's probably too late to give those tips to the Boston coming up or for anyone that's going to do it in 2024. Well, I think that, you know, even, even the people that are doing it here in a couple of weeks here for 2023, 
there is still some stuff. I, I after I did Boston last year, I came out with um, you know five things I would do differently if I did Boston all over again. I don't remember off the top of my head what those were, but I know um, I would get there a few days earlier. So I don't know if you're listening to this and you're doing Boston this year. Um, I would get there at least three days before the race. And the reason I say that is because last year I got there two days before the race, but like late two days before the race. So then the day before the race, I had to go to the expo, pick up my bib, meet up with my buddy, go around and experience all the stuff that Boston has to offer during the marathon weekend, which is a ton of stuff. Like every, every possible running company you can think of is there. And there's just so much to do. So I was on my feet that uh, Sunday before the Boston marathon all day long. And if I were to do it all differently, I would get there a couple days earlier and I would spend Saturday doing that stuff and then spend Sunday resting my legs. Um, I think I was fairly prepared for the morning. So if you're, if you're not familiar, I kind of talked about earlier, but you take buses to the starting line in Hopkinton and you could be there for what Jake, you'd be there yeah, for a couple of hours in the morning waiting for the race to start. And Carolyn, this is for you to know too. You either stay at a hotel by the start or you stay at a hotel by the finish, which is very limited because it's a smaller town. Um, so that's something to plan ahead pretty far in advance. Like, where are you going to stay? Is it more important to stay at the finish line or more important for you to stay at the starting line? Most people stay at the start, but just something to really consider and plan ahead. But yeah, to your point, you're there for a while. Uh, and there's a lot of walking involved too. Like, when people talk about the, the amount of walking you have to do for the Disney races, mm -hmm. like, you walk more for Boston. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Boston, like anybody who's done before I did Boston, I thought Disney was just like the busiest, hectic, like the the craziest race ever. And when I ran Boston, I realized that Disney was nothing compared to Boston. But so from a training perspective, I think that would be a good uh, tip for people is to maybe start out your run with a good half mile to a mile yeah, walk. It's very crowded. I mean, unless you're in that elite field in the front, it's very, very crowded for that first, you know, half mile, mile, even longer. It just depends. Just getting to the starting line too. That That's even after the start of the race, like just getting to the starting line from uh hopkinton is quite a hike that's kind of how cim was is they they bust us out but the only problem is it was cold and it was raining so literally everybody's morale was just shot like we just... <laughs> so, yeah go ahead but, no it's all good now. but yeah and it was like the course was super slippery it was and then it got humid and hot so we were all just done See, that's a conundrum, right? Like, there's there's races like that, like Boston, CIA, and Mesa was the same way, but not. I didn't feel like it was nearly as bad. But the downside to a one-way course rather than a loop course, I don't like having to take a bus to the starting line. That just kind of drives me nuts, and that's one of the reasons why you know everybody talks about New York being such a fantastic race. 
but man, I look at everything that goes into New York and I just, honestly, I don't really want to do it. Like they, they take a, a bus out to the starting line and you're there for even longer than you're at Boston and it's even more crowded. And then at the end, you have even further to walk. You you walk like a mile and a half yeah. after the finish line yeah, of the at New York. Yeah, majors in, in America, Chicago, Chicago is my favorite course. Boston's my favorite experience. Uh, like for what we discussed in the beginning, just the crowd support. You're not going to find that at any race ever. But Chicago, in my opinion, is is my favorite course. I like that the start and finish are right there in that same area. There's so many hotels right there. It's you know, no matter where you stay, you're close by. Like it's it's a very convenient marathon. I'm glad you said that mm -hmm. because I actually started my training cycle today for Chicago. Yeah. I know. Woo. I've gotten a lot of questions about it from the run talk community because i mean you guys are like sure great you're good on you for starting your cycle six months early but a lot of new runners are like why are you training six months in advance and it's like well i'm coming off of a three month almost four month off season and i'm trying to qualify for boston and i i don't want to slight myself yeah like i don't i don't want any excuse if I don't so, qualify. So I will you know? always say this. There is no, no, there's no such thing as starting your training too early. You know, there's just depends on what type of training you're doing. Like I imagine you're not going to dive into a 65 mile running week next week with, you know, three days of speed, yeah. but yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with base building for months, you know, months early. And then, you know, hitting that quote-unquote main block, right? That main block where you're starting to focus on speed and strength and, you know, nutrition planning and, and all that, which is typically around 18 weeks. But I'm training for Indianapolis right now, and that's not till October, but I'm building up mileage right now as we speak. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because... Yeah, I'm doing, I think my coach usually gives us like an eight week base building. So this is going to be my first 40 mile week since December. And it's not, I mean, my long runs are still, you know, 10, 12 miles. My speed workouts are still six miles in total. That's warm up and cool down. So it's, it's a slow build. Um, and since we've got such a, a high goal, my mileage is probably going to peak at 70. And I've never done that before. Yeah, that's, and, you know, oh. obviously follow what your coach says, right? But uh, everyone has yeah. different training methods. I usually will peak around anywhere between 70 and 80 now. Um, and I'm at a point now where I probably will stop going that high of mileage. I'll probably start lowering that mileage even during my peak uh, peak weeks. Because I'm trying to conserve my body, you know. I'm 42, so I'm trying to do some conservative planning. No, I completely respect that. Yeah, I typically, I typically max out between 60 and 65 myself. So that's some good stuff. Well, before we get back to the Boston field, can I tell you guys a running joke? It. 
Absolutely. <laughs> what do runners do when they forget something? Um, <laughs> I want to say they climb the wall or go go around the wall. I don't know. <laughs> they jog. I was thinking they just turn they around and jog get it, their but... memory. <laughs> <laughs> Hope all you people that are 40 minutes into your run listening to this right they're now. They're either laughing, they're not laughing too hard and getting the sides. It's one of the two. But either way, mission accomplished. <laughs> yes. Love it. Jokes with Carolyn. You know, and there's science. And, you know, when you laugh, you lower your heart rate. You release endorphins. So if you're on a long run and you've hit a really hard part in it hopefully this you know got you out of that funk and so i got again before we go back again to oh, really? the uh to boston um have you guys seen the movie run fat boy run that yes the that yeah. that hitting the wall scene the is still ball, yeah one of my favorite scenes in that movie like where he it's just it's so literal literal but <laughs> visually depictive but super relatable at the same time like it was it was pretty cool i just you made me think of that yeah. when you when you said that joke right yeah i love it <laughs> now in run run fat boy run didn't he do the london marathon yeah, yeah. and the whole purpose was he was trying to yeah. like it's been a while. I think he was trying to win his ex back, and his his, his ex's new boyfriend was running the marathon, and so he had we wanted to do it with him or something like that. Yes, good. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one that I haven't watched yet that everyone talks about, and I'm a movie buff, so I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I haven't seen this. Is uh, Brittany runs a marathon? I think so. That's the yeah. one on Amazon, right? Everyone thought, like, the, I hear a lot of people talking the New York about it. Like, it's an actual legit good movie. So I'm going to have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. I watched it. Yeah. It was pretty good. Um, I would recommend it's not the top marathon movie. It's not a Forrest Gump, but it's still very lighthearted. You know, it, it's very motivational, too. Like, you'll want to sign up for a marathon right after. Okay. But who is uh, of yeah, the runners yeah, definitely really good of recent time let's just say the last between now and the last 10 15 years who is a runner that you feel like they could make a movie around you know obviously we pick out the prefontaine movies but outside of him there's not a lot of movies out there that really tell the story about a runner Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, the goat Kipchoge is definitely, uh, one to consider, especially when you look at his entire career. Um, you could, in fact, I would almost, I think it would be cool to see a movie about his rivalry with yeah. Bekele. Now, will you tell him? Cause Who's they, that? Were, they were rivals in track for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really the only name and I'm glad you said that because he's kind of the only name I can think of now that, and even if I think, you know, back the last 10, 15 years, he's really still the name 
that has made probably one of the bigger impacts, mm-hmm. um, you know, man, man or woman. And I, I really yeah. can't think of anyone else, but. And not, not really, uh, uh, so many, you know, careers have ended in kind of tragedy. I think, I think in, if you look at some of the people, I think Ryan Hall, his story would be really good on screen. Like, I mean, especially if you get somebody who's like a, a serious character actor that likes to get into their rules, you, you see them lose the weight to become a marathoner. And then if they actually put the work in to put the weight on to, to go into the lifting scenes after he's done setting an American Christian record in the marathon, I think guy. that would be a great movie. <laughs> Yeah, guys, I think we're getting a call from <laughs> Christian. This is wild. Jeez, but okay. Yeah, I would say that. I would say can't, Jared can't Leto, but he already played Prefontaine. Prefontaine. <laughs> or, or Tom Cruise. Jeez. <laughs> so I actually have two names that popped up. Um, I have a male, and then I or a man, and I have a woman. For the man, uh, Meb Kaflesky. Um. I've actually, I'm in the middle of his book, 26 Marathons, and he talks about fatherhood. He talks about, like, there was one race that he forgot to tape up his his, um, uh, foot, one of his toes, and he ran a marathon with a blister. And just every chapter of the book, obviously, is a marathon, but it it gives you the, the lessons, what his life was like, what his training was like, all that jazz. Yep, and then yeah, the woman, uh, yeah. Desiree Linden. Yeah, she's the and... only one that comes to mind on the women's side that I could think of, too. Yeah, and she's actually, like, she's filming her lead up to Boston. You know, she's posted a bunch on social media. She's got a book out, and it's it's like she's really setting herself up. Well, there's a bit. Yeah. That's awesome. There's a big running community out there. Like, yeah, that'd be, it. That'd be pretty good. If a, if a movie was put out, it would be watched, I, I think, especially now. I feel like this the running community has gotten so big, like exponentially bigger as far as growth rate goes over the last four to five years. Um, maybe social media has something to do with that and just the, the, the content sharing, but I don't know, man. I feel like it's just jumped up. I, I see it physically, you know, outside of my runs. And of course, I see it online, too. I love it, man. Like, I don't know if COVID just, if people just wanted to get outside. But I every time I see a new runner or somebody that says, oh, I want to try running, I'm like, heck yes. Like, pull up a chair just because, you know, knowing you know you guys are so fast and you're you're talking to somebody i'm a middle of the packer and it's we've got this great friendship and it's that is what running should be about is the fasties talking to the middle or the back of the packers like it's nobody's business like it just it's awesome see i see it i see it the same way that i see like the uh the nerd revolution you know like and in high school, everybody's really concerned about the popular sports, the basketballs, the footballs, the jocks. But then, you know, later on in life, you 
you realize that the smart guys are the ones that are going to be the sugar daddies. They're the ones that are going to make the good husbands and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden they're the cool kids. And that's just how I feel right now. I feel like all my life I've just been one of those random guys on the sideline. And now I feel like one of the cool kids because I run and so does everybody else. You know, else. I'm glad you said that. And we're going to get deep. So, you know, <laughs> I was one of those kids that like, I didn't have a friend group. I just talked to everybody and got along, whatever. Kept some friends from high school, still talked to them. College, I didn't really find my my group but it's like the second I put on a pair of running shoes, like there was this community that just like hugged me and still like, you know, TikTok and stuff, just who cares what your, you know, what your life is like, who cares who your friends are? It's just, Oh, you're a runner. Cool. We're friends. So yeah, really nice. I feel the same way. And I wasn't the cool kid in high school either. I, I was the skinny kid with messed up teeth <laughs> and if I wasn't a good runner, I probably would have been bullied a lot, but at least I had my running to, to, to help me out there. But yeah, running has been a just a life-changing, therapeutic, calming thing for me, no matter how I approached it. Like, it's, it's always been there. And I have non-running friends, but they don't run with me, so I don't see them as much as I see my running friends. <laughs> so... It's just the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I was telling somebody this the other day. It is, it is such a joy when you find a runner that's willing to talk about something other than running. Cause it's like, yeah, we, we both, you know, run all the time, run all these races, but it's when they ask you about your life, ask you about, you know, how, how's your mental health today? Stuff like that. And that's, I think where you bridge the gap between runners and non-runners. It's yeah, I think we need to talk about that, the goat running Boston, don't we? <laughs> we have not. We, we've, we've talked about Kipchoge, but Who's I don't think that? we've talked Kip, about Kip Kipchoge running Boston. Kip That's a big deal. Know. I think he's. I think he's the guy that has a. He's the Kenyan oh, national yeah. marathon no, yeah. record holder. Ah. <laughs> uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be the world record too, but I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah, no, that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's doing Boston. (laughs) That guy. Yep, yep, he is. He's doing Boston. He is. I think he's going for the course record. What do you guys think? Is he going to get it? I would find my way to him in some way, shape, or form. And if I could just run with him for 200 yards at his pace, just to say I did it. You know, I want a picture. And if someone could please take that picture, and then I will post it to every social media site. Like, ah, I'm racing with Kipchoge. No big deal. <laughs> uh, that's all I want. And then I'll probably, yeah. The, the cool Kipchoge is that yeah. if you did that, he would probably like totally fist bump you or something. He wouldn't like look yeah. at you like you were stupid. He'd he'd just yep. smile at and you real big and be like, "Yeah, man, come on, let's do this." I, I would fall off and bonk the rest of it. But yeah, that that would be my goal if I was running uh, next to Kipchoge at the Boston Marathon. Man, but to answer your question, I think he is going to break the record. 
Only if the weather is cooperating. And, you know, I know in Kenya, he's got this core set up. He's he's running in the elements. But, man, it just, Mm -hmm. people are, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but you can have a perfect race cycle and a really bad race day. I don't think... I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I think he's so mentally prepared that it's just going to be a freaking. So here's, no and I've said this before and everyone listening, you're probably going to disagree with me. So don't hate me. But um, I, number one, I want to be wrong. I want Kipchoge to win. I do. And I want him to break the record. And if he does, I'm so glad I'm wrong. I don't think he's going to do it. And the reason why I don't think he's going to do it is I think that Kipchoge has, his name is so big right now that everyone is out for what he has, right? Everyone. So Boston, there's going to be so many people out to get Kipchoge out. To, and what I mean, what I mean by that is they're out to to beat him in that race. Will that inspire Kipchoge to go even faster? Sure, probably. But I think the competition level. Most people are probably, it's not that they want to win the race, uh, although they do, but they want to beat Kipchoge. I don't know if that makes sense. So in my opinion, this is going to be the hardest challenge for Kipchoge. Let's, let's go with that. This is going to be the, the hardest, uh, hardest feat, the hardest challenge that Kipchoge has probably faced because he's at that level where so many people are out to get what he has. So on that level, I would absolutely agree with you. I think this is going to be the hardest thing that Kipchoge has done. But that dude is just rock solid. He is laser focused right now. I mean, his last four races, he so he did the... London Marathon was the la- in, in 2020 was the last race that he lost, and he ran 206. And then he won the Olympics in 208, which was a really hot day and a hot race in the summertime. That, I would say that would arguably be a big target on his back. He was the favorite going into that. So, you know, people wanted that gold medal. They weren't going to take it from him. And then he won, just last year, he won the Tokyo marathon in 202.39 and then of course we all know about his world record of 201.09 at Berlin so I I think he's gonna do it you know I just think that he is just on another planet right now are you guys misunderstood the question are you saying he gets the Boston record or or the, the world record Yeah, that's so. That's what I meant. That's the kind of the big storyline. Is is he is he going to be, beat the Boston Marathon course record? Um, but I mean, if you think he's going to break, break the world record, then <laughs> that yeah, I was going to say I don't think he that'd gets be a heck of a course record. to do it on. I heck think of a if race he to takes do the Boston record, I think there are more than one person at that race that breaks the record at the same time. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I can see that too. The Boston Marathon record is two o three o two. So you basically have to break two o three to do it. 
Of course, the world yeah, record I mean, is two hundred one, but I think I think this could be like uh, kind of like Tokyo. Yeah, where I mean, there was just a bunch like, of runners like all I said, packed together. I hope he does it. I do. I want him to. I'm just. It's it's going to be so tough. It's going to be the it's it's going to be ridiculously hard. Mm-hmm. Caroline, you've been quiet for a few minutes. I don't even know. Like, I, you know, I keep hearing about his training, and I'm like, that okay, well, this dude's set up for success. But as you guys were talking about the course records and stuff, like being 20302, if you look at Kipchoge's competitors, um, Evan Shabet and Gabriel Gay. G-E-A-Y, sorry if I butchered that, their PRs are 203 even. So if they stand a chance to beat Kipchoge, they have to catch him on a bad day and they have to PR. And I don't know, that's a lot to do. So I don't even know. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun watch. I wish I could be there to see it live. So ever to to everybody that's running Boston this year, I do envy you. I'm slightly jealous because this is going to be a memorable race for sure. Yeah, this is one of those that you you'd almost rather watch than than run. I, at, but at the same time, if you were running it and Kipchoge does break the record, you can say that. Yeah. You ran Boston when Kipchoge broke the course record. Yeah. If he does it. So, Carolyn, just to FYI, I'm looking up that dude's uh, pronunciation. Oh, I probably of his name absolutely right butchered now. it. I am so sorry to that guy. Uh, hold on, hold on one second. It is. I think you're pretty close. Gia? Gia? I don't know if any runner out there listening knows how to pronounce it. Please DM any one of us. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Let us let us know how bad we butchered it. But he did. I. That's the. uh, That guy owns the Tanzania national record. I was looking through here earlier. I, I like how many national records there are in this in this race. There's him, and then there's Isaac Mpofu. Wow. He's the he's got the Zimbabwe national record, and then Mustafa Muhammad has the Swedish national national record. <laughs> that sounded like a you guys would have guessed Sweden if I would have said Sweden. his name. <laughs> asked this you where Boston he was from. sounds honestly like a mini Olympics because. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think Boston's always going to be represented by so yeah. many different countries, but, but yeah, I think that's just one of the great things about the World Marathon Majors. Is it yeah, Boston the, and New York, the, the especially Chicago, together, not like as but it brings more of a, a, a American crowd. I mean, it brings people from all over, but there's a larger American field there. I feel like, but Boston, New York, yeah, it's it, it attracts everyone from every country. And that's who you have to compete against, Carolyn. So get that get that thing blocked. <laughs> Let going, me stretch. Right? Okay. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Here's let me give you the worst advice. Big, ever, big things from um, Chicago this year. Just go to Strava and whatever <laughs> Kipchoge is doing, just do it. Do the same thing. All right. I mean, if Kipchoge can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. And honestly, I looked at his Strava. Like his most recent run is from last year, and his tempo run is a four forty five pace. There you go. That's kilometers. Here's right? what you do. All right, you find a treadmill that'll go to that pace. <laughs> strap yourself on it. Lock in at that mm -hmm. pace. And you're either going to get dragged, which is actually probably realistically what, what's going to happen, or you're <laughs> going to run that pace. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a it's film because it's a win-win at that point. You know those hamsters that, like, get Please stuck on their hamster around. wheel yeah. and just keep going? Yeah, it's, it's going to be me, except a human version. <laughs> I did. I did say no. uh, that's the worst advice ever. So, worst or well, leading to PRs? And then, um, please. And then let me know how it goes. <laughs> okay. I think he peaks at like a hundred and forty miles a week or something ridiculous. So probably even more. But yeah, get up there. You can do it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fine that's some good advice no nobody out there listening do it this is just watch we, for we joke, us we joke about this now uh full disclosure you know, one day we're all going to do a marathon and carolyn's going to bust out like a 230 out of nowhere or just yes. be like well i followed what kachogi did thanks for the advice jake yep, like, yep. son of a beehive <laughs> <laughs> She'll send out her training journal and just freaking over training <laughs> left and right. Oh Lord. <laughs> day one. Looked up what Kipchoge day did. Did the same thing. <laughs> day two. Cried. Yeah, day three. Regretted all my life's decisions. <laughs> yeah. Day four. Got a phantom pain. That's what's going to happen. Oh, Lord oh, have mercy. Man. Well, I guess now that we're joking around, we're nearing the end of this, right? Oh. <laughs> Now, Jake, earlier you had asked us what our best. Yeah, I thought you know let's is. let's wrap up this uh, episode two of our podcast with let's go around the horn and what is what is one tip that you would give to any runner right now? Like, what what is your one tip? But and we'll we'll go popcorn style. How about that? So I'll say. My one tip that I would give to, to any runner is find a running group. And to me, that is just such a, a motivational experience, whether you're an antisocial person or not. Finding a running group and just finding someone to click with, kind of like you pointed out, Carolyn, you know, finding someone that you can just talk to outside of running while you're running, like, your easy paces will get 
you're, you'll find yourself running faster, but still feeling just as easy when you're doing it with a running group because you're not always thinking about running. So to me, a running group is one of the big things that will really improve your overall running in some capacity. So find a running group. That's my tip. Uh, popcorn. I'm going to popcorn to a chase. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't really know what you meant by popcorn, but now I get the gist of the game. Okay, <laughs> so uh, so my running tip that I would give to runners right now, we talked about earlier on in this episode how running has gotten so big and popular and how it's just such a, a, a common thing for people to do. More and more people are doing it, and I think a big part of that is the technology mm-hmm. that has evolved with us as runners you know obviously we've got watches that can do amazing things we've got map apps and stravas and all that fun stuff but we've also got all these portable music listening devices and i think that's a big part of why running has become so big is because people can take entertainment with them on their runs and it makes it less boring per se as as most people would look at it but but my advice as as somebody who strictly like would not like I would not go out on a run if my headphones or my watch or something wasn't full wasn't charged and I wasn't going to be able to listen to my run. If I ever put my headphones in one day, my wireless Bluetooth headphones, and they would not work because I had not put them on the charger, I would just put my run off. There, there was a time when I would do that. I would just not run because I couldn't listen to music. But in the last year, I've discovered the, the beauty and the, amaz- the, the amazing world around me as a runner without listening to music. I still listen to music on, you know, on a occasional basis, but I don't listen to it every, in fact, I, I'm almost, it's probably once a week that I listen to music. And that would be my advice is know when to have those headphones in and know when to not so that you can experience the world around you. You can experience the places that you're running at and you can experience it the races and the crowd and the people if you're doing a race. So I guess I'll pop going wow. over to Carolyn. Out of all the people you could have chose. Race home. <laughs> but in all seriousness, never forget why you're running. Um, and, you know, in my last training cycle, I forgot uh, running wasn't fun anymore. And, you know, I used to, I run for mental health for sure, but I also run because it's fun and running didn't, you know, it wasn't fun anymore. And I ended up getting my DNF. Um, but it, I mean, if you're running for fun, keep it fun. If you're running to qualify for Boston, I, I encourage you to stay motivated. If you're running to just be a better version of yourself, I encourage you to stay determined, find some people that can hold you accountable. Um, because the second you lose yourself in running or the second you lose focus, you just, <laughs> you kind of set yourself up for 
not failure, but you don't, you can't really accomplish that goal. So that's it. what I would say. Good stuff. Always it, be having like fun. That, have fun. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Run Talk Live podcast. If you're running Boston, then good luck. We're jealous. We wish we could be there with you guys, but we know that everybody that's going to be there this year is going to kill it right along Aylawood Kipchoge. So you guys are going to be breaking records. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Chase Adams, a.k.a. Chaser No Pacer on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, wherever yeah, you can and, find me. Uh, yeah, to, to Chase's point, you know, kudos to all of you that qualified for Boston. Super envious of you that, uh, you know, for everyone that's going to be there and doing that. Take some pictures. Enjoy the moment. If you see Kipchoge, pretend like you're racing with him and take a picture. I want to see it. <laughs> but, um, again, my name is Jacob Irwin, the cultural runner. I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm about to be on YouTube, and again, Tuesday night, guys, tune in to our, our Run Talk Live, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, definitely a good time. And I uh, just wanted to say congratulations on another long run if you're running. If you're in the car, I hope you got anywhere safely. If you're listening to this at your work, keep working hard. Um, my name is Carolyn McDuff. I am at Carolyn McDuff on all the social media platforms. If you follow me on Strava, I expect <laughs> kudos on every run. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> all right, well. That's it for this episode of Run Talk Live. Hope you guys had a blast. Like Jake said, catch us every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard soon. Time for Run Talk Live, only on TikTok. Okay, bye. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>